0: All right, um, this is going to be uh, just a 50-minute 50, 50 session. And uh, what we want to do is press on a couple of things. Um, and so it's going to be somewhat dialogical. Of course, when you have questions or things that you want to press on, dialogical means that it's not lecture. It's like okay. we're talking.
1: I told you he's way smarter than I am.
0: That, that's actually not true. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to start off with this Issue, because I think this is the big issue for most of you. If you're buying into this. Now, um, I think that that's really fundamental. I think that, here's the question. When I first uh, went out to Real Life Ministries and pressed with Jim, he he said, for me, not to do small groups is to violate scripture. It's to violate my conscience. And I'm like, well, when he said that, I'm thinking, okay, a small group meeting in a home, where is that taught in the Bible? And what Jim meant is relational commitments, relational environments for discipleship. So that could be three people, like Jesus, Peter, James, and John, or it could be 12. I had in my mind this category of, you know, the traditional Lyman Coleman small group. That's not what he means when he says that. He means relational gatherings for the purpose of discipleship. So for me then, okay, I buy into that, and I believe that. Uh, Actually, some of you may remember, Wayne, you may remember, I took a group through years ago Lyman Coleman's book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, where he he makes the whole biblical argument. I've told Jim we need to get something like that published now because that book's a little bit uh, wordy and, and not as easy to read as I'd like it to be. But when I went back, the biggest thing is, okay, well, what do you do? How do you change? I mean, how do you change the DNA of church? And this is, for many of you, the big question. If you buy into this, as we've talked about, how do you change the DNA of a church? Some of you are in churches, uh, you know, in fact, let me do it this way. Uh, If your church is at least 20 years old, raise your hand. If your church is at least 30 years old, keep your hand up. If your church is 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years, all right, there you go, Jimmy. How do you how do you change the DNA in those situations?
1: Well, obviously, um, you have to ask the question first: Is your leadership on board? Are you talking about how do you change your leadership's DNA or your congregation's DNA? Which is the question you're asking me? Both. Okay, well, I think some of these guys have done it the right way in that um, you've got a, let's say you've got a senior pastor or an elder who, um, a senior minister who is uh, looking at the model and going, all right, do we need to change something? And maybe he picks up a book, he reads it, whatever. Maybe he gets that book for all of his guys and they read it together. What do you think about this? Where, where are you at on this? Uh, maybe they decide to, to come over to an immersion process all together and go through it together. Uh, as time is going on, um, if you've got, let's say that in that scenario you've got four elders, three of them are yes, one of them is no. Uh, it, it's very difficult when it comes to something like that. Um, there are times when, uh, I have had elders who decided against one, one of our, or two of our elders that have decided against something that everybody else in the group thought was the right thing to do. And then I had to ask myself this question, okay, how important is it to do it this way? What can we agree upon? Why is this person disagreeing? Is he disagreeing because he doesn't want to work that hard as a leader? Is he disagreeing because he doesn't buy this theologically? Is he disagreeing? What is his reason? Now, the hard thing is, you know, for our church, we appointed elders that came from a specific system and line of reasoning. So there's some things that we all agreed on to begin with. Whereas when you come into an existing church that's been there for years, as I have a couple of times, you've got um, people that are elders because their dad was an elder, because they're the only ones who would take the job, because you know they have all these different ideas of what about a, what an elder does and is, and some of them are controlling. And came from a, I had an Air Force Colonel in my group that was a holy moly! I wanted to headbutt him until his eyes crossed. Uh, in Jesus' name, uh, you know you've got all different kinds of situations that that you deal with. That, but uh, what you want to do is you if you can get your eldership on board to go along with this. Sometimes people will go, okay, I'm on board, but I'm not really going to participate. I mean, I'm not going to stop you, but, but I'm not going to do that. Then I always just say, go with the goers. Um, when you're changing a DNA in a church, again, you want to move slow. And you, you want to be careful how you do it. For instance, I believe that you have to have a one-on-one system for your small groups. All right? If right? Let's say I'm an existing church of uh, 50 years. These people have been there for years, and, and I'm saying I'm looking at the church, and I'm going, man, we're not making disciples. We're not reaching the lost. Uh, we're, we're, we're just really struggling. We need to get in alignment. What I would do is I would go to the elders, and I would, I would go through the chain of command always, And say, here's what I'm thinking, and I would say, would you guys think and pray with me about this? And and I would try. And by the way, I would have already earned the right uh, through relationship with those guys to be heard. Not always agreed with, but at least to be heard. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm praying about. I want them to know me, to know my heart. I want to know them. I want to know my heart. Before, if I, if if we're not even in relationship with each other, then the first step is relationship. Don't go do anything. Get in relationship. If there's un a unresolved conflict we got to figure this out you got to get you got to go to the word and get at least the three or four elders that would say the word is true and we need to deal with it to get the two of us together and let's resolve our issues so let's do our best to do that then let's then that, then next is philosophy and i would say all right let's say i've got to four elders i'm a church of 100 years or eighty fifty years whatever Hey, guys, uh, let's go to the immersion together. Let's read this book together. Three out of the four of them say, yeah, this is a good idea. Let's check it out. All right, yeah, three of the four say, yeah, that's a good idea. The other one's kind of passive and says, yeah, that's good. I, You know, I'm too busy to do any of it, but, you know, I I just want to stay being an elder. All right, politically, and you have to think politically. You have to be shrewd as a serpent. Should I take this guy on? Should I get him off the eldership? Should I not? How entrenched is he in the body? How active is he? How visible is he? Well, he's pretty visible. He's been there a long time. Caused too much trouble. All right, I'm going to leave it. going to go to the other three guys and say, let's do this, but let's do this right. Let's rather than say everybody has to go to a home group and take a one-on-one class, here's what we'll do. We're going to start a home group system in which you're invited to come. If you decide to come, you're going to take the one-on-one class. You you understand the difference? In other words, it's not a one-on-one to be a member of the church. It's a one-on-one to be a member of our small group system. You can be a member of this church. You've been a member for years. But to be a member of the small group system means that you're going to take that one-on-one class. So that it's kind of, and I might not even call it a a, a, a one-on-one class. I might call it a small groups um, orientation where we talk about what we believe. Why? Because I want to protect those small groups. I don't want to put my brand new leaders in there with a bunch of vicious wolves on Calvinism or whatever from another church. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm going to invite them to come to the meeting. And and here's the deal. What if they want to go to the small group but they don't want to take the one-on-one orientation? Well, that's great. You can come to the small group, but you're not going to ever be an apprentice, a host home, or a small group leader. Only those who have taken one-on-one, 301 orientation yearly are going to be leadership. And I focus on the leadership. So that means in your church, you've got people doing small groups, and I'm really focusing on those small groups. I'm still preaching. I'm still doing things. I use some of those leaders that are developing in the small group system to go to the hospital with me to do some of the other chores outside of the small group system that that go on within the church. But the small groups system is building and working within the body. Now, here's what tends to happen. People start getting to know the Lord. They start getting saved. They start inviting their friends. The church starts growing, and there starts to become a little buzz. And the people that are not in the small group system going, "What's going on over there? What is happening over there? Hmm, that's interesting. You see what I'm saying? And uh, the, and, and and they may go, "Well, I don't like that. What's going on there? That's dangerous over there. They come from some old church background, and they're they're they're. But you got your elders on board. You got your staff on board. That you can control." Uh, those who are with you, and you, and, and you say, hey, you don't have to go to that small group system. If you don't like it, you don't have to go. It's okay. But we're going to have it, and we're going to do it. Just like I didn't make you go to youth group. Even though you're 60 years old, I could have made you go to youth No, you're not going to youth group. You're 60 years old. Well, I don't like what's happening in the youth group. Well, okay, I hear what you're saying, and I'll listen, and I'll go, okay, there might still be some things that's happening in the youth group I need to fix, but I didn't make you go to youth group. I'm not making you go to the small group system. So what I'm doing is I'm slowly moving. I'm making sure I have my leaders on board. I'm showing the people in the church that this isn't a horrible thing, and, and people are getting saved, and people are growing. Do you see what I'm saying? And so I'm investing more and more energy in that, and slowly but surely... Your church hits what's called the tipping point. Do you know what the tipping point is? Where they start, they get more and more in that court, and then pretty soon, you know what? That's not a bad deal. That's that's all right. Do you think? Do you guys in here think that everybody in our church goes to a small group? No. Uh, we have between six thousand five hundred and seven thousand people in small groups. We have, we average, you know, during the summer it hasn't been this for sure, but uh, we were averaging between 7,500 and 8,000. We hit 8,500, then we planted six churches and we sent people out all over. So we've kind of stabilized back 7,500 to 8,000. You see what I'm saying? But how many people actually come at least twice a month? Around 12,000. So let's say there's 12,000 people who actually come twice a month. Average attendance is between 7,500 and 8,000, and we have 6,500, 7,000 in small groups. All right? Do the people who are not in small groups go, I don't think those people over there ought to be in small groups. No, they just choose to opt out of it. Can they still be a part of our church? Can they still come and be a member of our church? Yes. But are we ever going to um, pour a ton of effort and energy into those who don't want to be a part of what we're doing? No. Do we go visit them? Do we have a team of people that go visit these people that are unconnected? Yes. Because it puts some of our people to work and they get to go minister and care. But if you think for a second that I get up in front of everybody and say, you are all going to be in a small group or you are out of here. No, I don't say that. But I do say I'm going to make it really uncomfortable for you and you're going to have to listen to it every week. Every week. Every week you're invited to be a small group. We're not called to be to go to church, we're called to be the church. Every week, hey, in my small group this thing happened this last week or and I heard about this in a small group this last week or, hey, we had this many decisions, but remember we're not called to be converts, we're called to be disciples. Every single week, same thing, over 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 again. I got people go, I don't want to hear that anymore. Okay. Sorry. You know how that's going to happen if you're not here. You see what I'm saying? There's this difference between forcing something down somebody's throat and inviting them to be a part of what you're doing because people are growing and excited about it. So really, the only problem that you're going to face is if you have somebody who says, not only am I not going to be involved, but I'm not letting anybody else in here do it. And when you get to that case, now you have a fight on the eldership that you better be ready to fight. If you don't have the courage to fight it, on the eldership or on the staff. If, if I have a staff member who says, I'm not going to a small group, I will fire you. Because the higher up the level of leadership, the more buy-in I expect from you to our philosophy. But if you're just attending church and you don't want to go to a small group, you can attend here. You'll get something from the sermons and the worship. And... But I always say to people, so what you're telling me is you want the benefits of being in a small group without being in a small group. Why didn't somebody come and visit me at the hospital? Are you in a small group? So you expect me or somebody here to... And we'll do our best. I mean, we're not going to say we don't care about you. But you want the benefits of the meals... Come into your house for your family, and the people being there for you, and access to somebody all the time. But you don't want to be in a small group. It's funny how you didn't have time for it before, and didn't care if people called you, but now you do. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? So, are you hearing me say force this down somebody's throat? Let me give you an example of one situation. Uh, we had a church in Montana. Very large church in Montana who came and completely bought in. And what they've been doing is on Wednesday nights, they have a family uh, dinner. Everybody comes to dinner. Then they have a big small group or excuse me, a big uh, teaching time by the pastor. And it's been going on for 15 years and they have a ton of volunteers who make the meals. And they have a ton of volunteers that help watch the kids and all this stuff. So the guy comes to immersion. He goes, I'm going back and I'm shutting down Wednesday night. And we're going to small groups. And I was like, whoa. How many volunteers do you have? About 80. How long have you been doing it? 15 years. You will not have a job in three months. Well, we've got to go to small groups. I said, okay, I agree. You need to go to small groups. You're the talking head. No one else is developing as a leader. Everyone's looking to you. I think you do need to go to small groups, but there's a way to go about doing this. Well, how would you say? Well, first I'd go back and say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have dinner, just like we always have. I'm going to teach for 15 minutes, and then I'm going to train up some leaders, and we're going to do a little debriefing time of my teaching that lasts for 15, 20 minutes. Then we're going to have a prayer time, and we're going to do that for uh, one time a month, and the other three times I'm going to teach for the first two months. Then after two months, on the third month, I'm going to go to, I'm going to teach for the whole time once a month. And the other three times, I'm going to teach for 15 minutes. And you're going to break into 15-minute groups and have prayer time after that. For the next three months, four months. That's six months. Then at the end of six months, we're going to go to, we're going to have, uh, same old thing, but one of those times a month. Everybody's going to go to houses with their small group and one time a month you're going to have dinner and your small group at your house. The other three times we're going to do it here. You starting to see see what we're doing? We're getting people used to small groups. We're not breaking down this thing. Then after a year... We're going to go to once a month we're coming together as a large group where you do the talking. The other three times, it's going to be you and your small groups eating dinner and uh, doing your small groups. It actually took 14 months, and he didn't lose anybody, and he kept his job, and it's still the largest church in that area. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, He taught them how to be leaders he invested in them. They started calling their people outside a group. He taught them to call. Don't just, hey, if somebody isn't here on Wednesday night, call them. How are you doing? Even though, yeah, we're in the big group together, you're still, these are your sheep and you're responsible for them. And he taught them during that year how to lead a small group. First, it was just a few minutes asking questions. Pretty soon, it was a story asking questions. You see what I'm saying? And then calling people afterwards. And now you're going to pick somebody out of your little small group who's going to be your apprentice to help you. And we actually taught them how to do small groups during that year, that 14 months in the building that they're used to coming to. Now, where there some people that are unhappy? And I remember the old days when we ate dinner together all the time. Yeah, people will whine. But now they're developing leaders. Now uh, there's pastoring and caring and, and you know you're not just putting on a show and it's not personality driven. And it's a good thing because that pastor is leaving because of his, his, the, they don't know this yet. But his, health, his wife's health and his, and his wife's father is dying. So they're moving and they don't know it yet. What happens now when before it was all about this pastor and he's Mr. Hero and nobody else knows how to do anything? Relationships are like ropes. The more relationships you have, the more ropes you have to a place. Now that he leaves, it's not so personality driven. What will be the result when he leaves? Oh, it's going to hurt. The guy's brilliant. Brilliant relationally. Not just about education. There is no discipleship without education, but it's not just education. So then the question is well, how do you lead a small group? And I'm, we're not there to be able to model it. I mean, you can't model it for us because we're not there. I hear that a lot, right? So we tried to put together a workbook that guides you through the process of making disciples where at the end of the the, the 12 weeks, they understand the discipleship process, you understand the discipleship process. It's meant to be as close to a model as you can get with written material. you understand what I'm saying? So that you could give it to your small group guys and go, here, uh do this small group and this would guide you through everything that we've been teaching you here. Uh, except for that this is more geared towards how to make disciples. Church as a team sport is more geared as I said before at the 30,000 foot level. The church should be about discipleship. Well then, this is what we were hearing. How? Okay, well this next book is about and the workbook is about this is how you can make your small groups about discipleship. So
0: like in some of your con- context one of the uh, great ways to use this book would be, um, let's say that you're coaching five small groups so that you would um, meet with your small group leaders at a time that works with their busy lifestyles like what we were talking about, and that you would go through this book with your small group leaders who are doing orality, which Jim will talk about after supper. And it'll take how long to go through this?
1: Well, if you if you keep up with it, twelve weeks. So I, it took me three and a half months, four and a half months to do experiencing God because we always got caught on one lesson, or you know, I just did one. we was supposed to go a week at a time in our discussion groups. In mine, this last week we did one lesson, and it took the whole time.
0: So, for example, if you're coming out of here and you say, okay, what, what's a practical step that I can do to implement this? I want to lead a model small group. I want to I be the DNA and lead the DNA in my small group. But i got other people who have committed to start small groups. So as a coach, I could go, I'm going to go through this with my guys. And we're going to work through this so that we're all and, and getting once again, on the same it's page. It's not just
1: small group curriculum. It's designed to be a daily devotional for you. And then you come together at the end of the week and talk about what you talked about in your devotions for the week. So you, there's a personal element where you're walking through it alone. And then you talk about what you learned as the group. You See what I'm saying?
0: Okay. I want to uh, pick up on something that Jim mentioned here. Uh, if you are the senior leader of a church, and by that I mean you know the senior minister, typically the senior minister this is a good exercise with. Whether you're a seven in terms of your God-given leadership ability, um, or you know an eight or a nine, whatever you are, Um, teachability is huge. Um, And Jim will tell you, most of the churches they work with, the biggest factor is the senior leader's teachability. let Let me
1: just say this too: it's a lack of awareness. This leader right here thinks he's an eight, a nine, or a ten, but he's really a seven. But he doesn't know it. And here's the deal. These guys right here that come to church, they're not going to come and tell you what they see. You have to create an environment where they feel able. For instance, when I see somebody who comes to i got this guy named Ron Nielsen. He's a big-time leader in our area. He came to church. I immediately saw him. I knew who he was. I called him. I went to his house. And I said, Ron, I'm really glad that you're here. You know, you've heard about our church, you've seen our church, you came to church. Here's what I'd like you to do for the next three or four weeks, I'd like you to come. And then I want you to sit down and tell me what you see. And so he did. Now, not only is he stuck around, right? But he saw things that I did not see. I could not see the forest for the trees. The problem with leadership is uh, A pastor thinks he's a nine preacher. He's a three preacher, he doesn't know it. If he knew it, but and nobody's telling him until he's fired. Where is the... No, let me just tell you, this is a weakness of yours. You're strong here, here, and here. We need to work on this. Where, where'd the honesty go? Do you see what I'm saying? It, I have five services. The first service on Friday night, I have a team of four to six people that sit in that service from my staff and one who's a volunteer, and they listen to my sermon, then we meet upstairs in my office before I go to the next four, and I say, alright, what did I hit on? What did I lose it on? What did I miss it on? Because it's not about what I'm saying, it's about what's being heard. What are you hearing? Well, you went too long on the introduction, You never even got to the final point, or you didn't develop this well enough, or you need a better illustration, or no, that was great, just leave it the way it was. Why do I
0: do that? You've got to get that feedback. I do the same thing. A couple of weeks ago, my, uh, I, I, we have two services. So I did the first service, and then I had my team come up and you know, debrief real quickly. And I had said something, because I'm a 52-year-old baby boomer, that just totally went crossways with every teenager there. And My youth guy gets in my face and he says, You said this, but you don't mean that. And I go, You're right. He said, Say it differently. Thank you. Second service, where most of the teenagers are there, I said it right. He came up to me afterwards, and he said, that was perfect. But I would have totally blown it if he hadn't done that. I want to tell you something that I did that I would recommend to every senior leader here. I would actually recommend it to every person in a leadership position. And I learned this at Immersion 2 with Real Life. They have an exercise where um, you're in a group, and you have the person say, I like this. I struggle with that. And I like this.
1: About you. About you go around and each person is, uh, Wayne is it? Yes. Wayne, this is what I've seen in in relationship. I love this about you. Thank you for doing this. I love this about you. Here's one thing that, that kind of I struggle with. Here's what we're trying to get them to do, to be open and honest with each other and deal with each other. Because here's the deal. Do you know how, how much I hate people getting fired when they were never coached? Because people didn't have the guts to deal with it.
0: So I want to tell you a story about this, how, how I did it. So um, we've got a bit of a financial uh, mm-hmm. shortfall in our church. And so um, we worked through the process. And I have an executive minister. And he let all the staff know that, you know, this is the situation. Because we want everybody to own it. And, and things are going to happen. Well, it happened when I took uh, a one-month sabbatical break. So I knew that there was like, okay, everybody's feeling pressure. And one of the things, they're, they're feeling a little bit critical of me in my role because, you know, I'm the lead guy. And, and You
1: said somebody's going to get let go and then you'll leave.
0: Yeah. So I knew when I came back that I got to get everybody on board. But I knew they had some things they wanted to say to me. And I want to create an environment where not only they said it to me, but the others got to hear that they said it to me. And uh, I talked to Luke Yetter at Real Life, uh, you know, just getting uh, his counsel on it. And he said, you got it's got to be an environment where they're going to tell you what they really think. So I sat down with Todd. Todd's my executive minister. I said, when we go in there, you have to say what you really think. I want you to tell me. I want you to say it in front of everybody. So I'm going to have you start off. And I talked to JP, our youth guy, and I said, you got to say what you really think. I was so nervous going in there. I thought, oh, I don't want to do this, but I do for the sake of the team. So I went in and Todd, you know, he th- said the good thing. And then he said, you change too much. He said in front of them all, he says, sometimes it's like you change, change. And I'm like, oh man, he's killing me. But he said it because they're all feeling it too. And while he's and saying
1: it, they're all like, what's Bobby going to do? Is he going to have a job?
0: So and I'm I'm just I'm taking notes on what everybody says. And I and and once they say it I say back now you struggle because you think I change things too much that you're working on. I, I I want you to know I hear that. And I went around with all the staff and I had them all critique me. And I took notes on everything they said. And and one of the rules of the exercise is you can't disagree with them. You just need to repeat back what they've said and thank them for the courage to say it. It was one of the healthiest things we have done in a long time. They're all totally on board, well, as much as they can be totally on board. And I feel like that there was a little murmuring thing going on that we dealt with. And there's some areas that came out of that that I'm working on. I'm trying to change that I wouldn't have known if I hadn't done that. So just wanted to commend everybody to that kind of exercise. Well, it's 5 o'clock, and we have a two-hour break. Um, If you are a senior leader... Uh, as we've discussed, you'll be having supper with Jim where he, you get to ask him questions in, and about your specific situation. I'm going to join you all at a quarter, actually I'm going to try to join you at 6.30 to give Jim a 30-minute break before 7 o'clock. Um, I won't be with you up until 6.30 uh, and then I'm going to talk to you about if you'd like uh, to be involved in this coaching thing that we're going to do for the next several months.